Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello and welcome to, <laughs> there she goes, welcome to the Hostile Work Environment Podcast. Hello. My, hello. My Hi, name, Mitty. Welcome to the Hostile Pirate <laughs> Podcast, where we talk all about issues facing pirates today. <laughs> pirates today, issues for everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My name is Mark Alifant. Uh, <laughs> so sorry, audience. It's been a while. It's been a while. I understand. I am here as always with Kate Bischoff. Kate, yo, we're feeling. We're both feeling uh, a little punchy today. How the fuck you doing today? <laughs> I think I'm gonna make it. How are you doing? <laughs> Obviously, punchy. Uh, my morning has con- <laughs> consisted of. You may have seen me tweet a couple of days ago, right before mm-hmm. my firm had its big um, uh, conference. With uh, we had 250 people in person and another 500 online. <gasps> so nice. a, a hybrid conference, uh, and I was the MC along with Dennis. Dennis and I presented nice. together, uh, and the MC, and I had to be there by seven. 15 7 30 and at 6 55 i got in my car and it wouldn't start ah so my morning has been getting the car over to uh which when it doesn't start you know can be an issue getting it over to <laughs> the dealership i did get it jumped i did get over there this morning uh and and dealing with car stuff which is uh, a lot less fun than talking to you so this is the yes. highlight of my day <laughs> to date uh if the phillies win again today go phillies uh against the hated san diego padres i don't think anybody can really say that with a straight face but the hated san you- diego padres screw them and their chicken uh, but you can say that you hate baseball because I hate baseball. You so. hate baseball, but we're not talking to you about <laughs> baseball. I'm talking. I'm just talking to our audience about the glorious Philadelphia Phillies and their their fight to get back to the World Series and, and be in the playoffs for the first time in ten years that none of us expected, and brings great joy. And that may ultimately overshadow our podcast oh, today if yes. we can win later this afternoon. Uh, but it would take that in my day. <laughs> To improve it over this. Okay. Well, I hope everybody has fun, which is my favorite saying for any sports ball stuff because it's like the most passive aggressive. I don't care. It is very passive aggressive. <laughs> I hate. I hate it when people say that, uh, or when they call it sports ball too. So, um, <clears throat> Yay! That's okay. like, like that's what I tell my my theater geek friends who don't like sports and they're like sports ball i'm like that's the same thing that other people do when they diminish the nerdy theater things you do i don't like (laughs) diminishing anybody there is space on this earth for people who like sports and who like theater yes and i'm happy to bridge the gap because i love both of those things okay well we don't have to put each other down don't (laughs) have to put each other down. We'll be talking a little bit about that later uh, okay. <laughs> as one of our stories. Uh, but I'm going to start with the same story that the, so the five of you out there who attended my conference <laughs> earlier this week will be like, oh, 
dang, he he didn't come up with something else new. No, I'm going to do the same thing that Dennis, I did with Dennis on stage two days ago. The same story. Uh, Thank you to our uh, listener, Kylie, at Bacon Diaries, uh, uh, who was in attendance, and I didn't even realize, and tweeted photos. uh, And we got to meet in person, which was fantastic. Uh, And uh, also uh, my friend uh, Levi, ukulele cowboy, um, (laughs) uh, who was also in attendance and came up and we... We had lunch and that was great too. So good. uh, Thank you, podcasters who were there. I'm going to talk about bicycles, Kate. Oh, I was just on a bike ride. That's why I was so excited when you said that before we went live. You're like, I was just on a bike ride. So, my first question as part of this segment, Kate, is do you do a lot of biking? And I actually didn't know the answer to that. And now I, I mean, I don't know how much you do, but. Uh, Well, my significant other is a huge biker. Last May, he did 100 miles in a day without any training, um, which I think is ridiculous. So it is a beautiful day here in Minnesota. It'll be 76 degrees at the end of October here, so which is kind of unusual. So Yay, I thought global we, warming. <laughs> uh, we so all I like thought, it in the fall. We just don't like it in the summer. No, no, I don't like it in the fall. I like <laughs> I'm like cold weather. Um, so I thought we should go for a bike ride this morning before we came and recorded because it might be one of the last times that we can really get out. He'll still get out in the winter a little bit, but sure. I'm not fair. But I we, we did almost 13 and a half miles this morning. So, yeah. Pretty fancy. So, yes, you have a bike. You know, you know about biking. Uh, do you know I have a- four bikes. You have four. You have four bikes? <laughs> uh-huh. I have this green machine from like the 1960s, like with a banana seat. And then I have my big yellow banana, like big yellow bike that has a big cushy seat. And then I've got a breezer that lives at Joel's house. And then I've got um, another bike that's somewhere else. So I have four. That's that's eight wheels, four bikes. That's a lot. <laughs> okay. But here's a question. Do you have a Peloton? No. Um, No. Can you tell us, (laughs) what is a Peloton? Do you know what a Peloton is? A Peloton, if it was in my house, would be a fancy place to hang clothes. Um, But it is an exercise bike that has a subscription service that you can do live biking with instructors. And those people who really love it, really, really love it. And it took off fantastically during the pandemic because you couldn't go to group classes and you couldn't go to group spin classes, but this is a spin class you can take in your house. Um, And so some people really love it. It's really expensive too. Yeah. So it's the bike itself and the internet connection, I guess, that goes along with the bike. Uh, You're right. It's very expensive. Do you know where, just because I like knowing this stuff, do (laughs) do you know where the name Peloton comes from? Um, it is a lot like an old school biking term. I know that much. I don't know where. Do you it know comes what it from. refers to? No. Okay, so it's a French word, and okay. in a bicycle race, you know how uh, I don't know how much mm. bicycle racing you watch if you watch the Tour de France or anything. I used to watch a lot of cycling uh, on TV because uh, I I won't get on a bike or do any riding or exercise, <laughs> but I like watching other people do it. Um, yay sports! But. <laughs> The peloton is when you watch a bike race, there's a clump of riders that all stay together. Uh, And the clump of riders is the peloton, the main clump of riders. So some will break off, some will go. So that's where they got the name from. Okay. I just just thought it was interesting. I was going to assume it was the name of the bones that I discover every time I go for a long bike ride. So. (laughs) 
Fair. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, I've got a story for you about Peloton. Okay. I don't know if you've seen this. We haven't really talked about it. But there, I'm going to tell you the story of a guy named Daniel McKenna. Mm. Oh, is he one of the super fancy popular instructors? Yes. Okay. Okay. So Daniel, we'll, but we'll get there. You're 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 jumping ahead a little bit. Okay. So <laughs> Daniel is from Ireland. He but he's living living in uh, <laughs> obviously every Daniel's from Ma- Ireland. No, the McKenna part. I know lots of people with names <laughs> like that that aren't f- actually from Ireland and born in Ireland and Irish citizens okay. or whatever. Fair. Just because you have an Irish name doesn't mean you're from Ireland. Okay, Kate. <laughs> okay. But in this case, Daniel McKenna, totally from Ireland. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed okay. it. Okay. Uh, you nailed it after I told you. Uh, <laughs> but he lives in New York City. Uh, and so he, he I, I, I quoted, this is an Irishman in New York, unlike an Englishman in New York. <laughs> he is... A personal instructor and fitness. I'm glad that we're really punchy today. I think. (laughs) Anyway, he's a personal instructor and fitness professional who built a like massive following. I actually haven't gone to see how, like, when it says massive following, I don't know how massive that, but probably dwarfs both of our uh, combined uh, online presence and followers, which you dwarf mine. So, (laughs) like, it's a lot. I'll just say it's a lot. So, he has a huge following on social media. And as the pandemic starts, uh, he offered online classes, uh, and his popularity mm-hmm. just continued to to go Soar. up. Soar. I, I'm sure there's a biking pun we could make there, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm just punchy. like the bones I rediscover when I go biking. That's they right. are sore. Mm-hmm. They're sore, yes. Uh, so he becomes super popular doing online classes, and then Peloton comes a-knocking. And... They start talking to him about working for them. And in December 2020, uh, so we're a little bit into the pandemic here now, mm-hmm. uh, he signs an employment agreement with Peloton. Okay. My first area of of inquiry for you. So he has an employment agreement with them. Mm-hmm. The n- agreement contains a non-compete provision. As far as I can tell, it says he is not permitted to engage or teach fitness classes. So this would be during or after employment. Not permitted to engage or teach fitness classes in the United States or worldwide with any business that competes with Peloton. So my first question for you, hearing that language just off the top, Mm -hmm. cool or uncool? Um, Well, I could think of like four companies that he couldn't work for off the top of my head. Um, Apple Fitness being one of them um, because I love the instructors on Apple Fitness. And And, and I think think Peloton has branched out in a number of ways beyond just bike classes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can take all sorts. Yeah. So so this this would, as far as I can tell, prevent him from working from any any real exercise company that could arguably compete with with Peloton. Including his own. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So my sense here is Don't sign it, dude. Well, he did. But would this be enforceable? And my question, my my, my thought on this is probably not. 
Uh, first yeah, of all, there's really no time big. frame. There's no time frame limiting it. So we talk about non-compete agreements. We're often in terms of enforceability uh, in states that aren't like California and Oregon and Washington and the West Coast states that have drastically limited when non-competes can be used and the time frames and all that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to be looking at, at whether it's reasonable to protect uh, a company's interest, uh, both in terms of the the temporal scope. So how long is somebody restricted from doing something and the geographical scope? How how big? Yes. Okay. So on geographical scope, geographic scope matters for chiropractors, dentists, hairdressers, um, oh, sorry, stylists, um, and a bunch of people that physically have to do work in the same location. I think temporal or the ge- geographic scope is different based upon how the service is delivered. And so I would argue if I was Peloton, the worldwide um, restriction makes sense because they provide services worldwide. So I'm going to be of the ilk that says the geographic stuff is fine because it's how the service is delivered. Yeah. So I think the geographic scope can range depending on what the nature of your business is. So if you're a restaurant chain, uh, it wouldn't make sense, to, you know, and you're, you're regional and you're only yeah. located in four states, then it might make sense to have a non-compete limited to those four states. Maybe if you have a couple that you could show you're really targeting to expand to, uh, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't say, you know, you can't open up a competing restaurant in uh, Taiwan uh, right. when you're only located in Oregon and Minnesota. Uh, yes. so, you know, the scope has to be tailored to what the scope of the business is. Now, to be fair, uh, Peloton and many online businesses like this have a global scope. It's, it's internet based. Yeah. So you can have that. I do think there's probably an issue here though, to the extent that you could read that to say like, he can't go work in person right. at a planet fitness. Right, like, like the, it would this, completely prevent him from doing his livelihood at all, oh, as opposed to yes. just in a certain area or for a certain time. So I think yes. in that sense, this is probably overbroad. What it, what I would say is, if there's other online competitors to Peloton, at, at a, you know that could be reasonable on a global scope. Yeah. But also, then the the broader that geographical scope, generally courts are going to say, then the shorter the temporal scope should be. Yep. No, no, I 100% agree with you. I think it's yeah. it's usually when I see a non-compete, we're looking at the temporal scope, like is it two years versus one year? And the kind of the de- default is always one year. The And the geographic scope, you know, depending on what the service is, is it five miles, 10 miles, 15 miles? Exactly. And as the crow flies, this is, it's just too broad because it limits his ability to do anything. Anything. It, it limits his ability to do anything. And as far as I can tell, now, I don't have a copy of the agreement. It could be that mm-hmm. it just hasn't been reported. I do have a copy of the complaint that's filed, which is where these facts are coming from. I should put that disclaimer out there <laughs> that to the extent somebody at Peloton thinks I'm saying bad things about them, this is just in a public complaint. Uh, yeah. And I'm not making any representation about what what's truthful or not truthful. These are allegations in, in a complaint. Um, but as far as I can tell, no, no temporal limit was put on this, which in my mind makes it really problematic. But in most states, what would happen is if you challenge that, they'll limit it to a reasonable period. Right. The blue pencil. Blue pen. Blue pen, blue pencil, however you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And they'll modify it to be whatever the most restrictive amount is that the court thinks is reasonable under the circumstances. Mm -hmm. I think 
in in this case, there's probably both a temporal and uh, maybe not geographic, but but another limiter on the scope in terms mm-hmm. of what kinds of companies uh, yeah. y- you would limit it to in terms of competition, like global online exercise yeah. behemoths, the, the- not your local gold's gym or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think it's this is broader than necessary to protect the legitimate business interest of Peloton. That's exactly be the exactly phraseology that's, the test. That, that's yeah. the test. Exactly. So we don't often get a chance to talk about non competes here uh, on our podcast. And I thought this was a good example of one that we might <laughs> mm-hmm. be able to, to talk about a little bit. But all right, moving on. Daniel signs the agreement and starts doing classes for Peloton. Yeah, we're already shaking our head. No. Daniel, Bad don't. move, Daniel. But mm-hmm. he did. Uh, in short order, his classes oh, started. I I should say you can negotiate a non compete. Like I've oh, had yeah. clients negotiate non compete. So like I'm yeah, Daniel. I understand that you want to work for Peloton. It's great, but you could have negotiated this non compete to yeah, to there, make it better. Just and more like you negotiate, just like you negotiate a salary or right. If there's other restrictions yep. in an employment agreement. You know. Especially if you're in Daniel's case, someone who's probably highly sought after with very specialized skill set, he's going to have more leverage to be able to negotiate more of this. Now, some employers will just say, like, no, the agreement's the agreement. You mm-hmm. sign it or you don't. And then you get to choose, you know, but oftentimes they absolutely will negotiate or let you propose other language. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, Kate, if you step into any executive comp kind of work, I do occasionally where I'm representing an executive who's negotiating a new job or a departure from a job or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the sorts of things that that get bargained uh, and and discussed and negotiated all the time. So absolutely, yeah, and, Daniel could have done that. And my, my default usually is give me a list. Like who can't mm-hmm. this employee work for? Um, and yep. that list can get like re- revised every two years, but it is give me a list. Just so yep. like we're 100% clear as to what this is. So. Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay, so Daniel signs. He starts teaching classes for Peloton. And in short order, his classes uh, would range from 400 up to 1,000 attendees, which I, again, I haven't <laughs> attended a Peloton class before, which um, – you could make certainly make some comments about, but <laughs> I, I have to think that's probably a lot. I mean, it sounds like a lot to me. Yeah. And between August of 2021, so he, I think it sounds like he takes a little while to get kind of up to speed. So this was late 2020, but uh, I think he really gets geared up over the course of 2021. It says between August 2021 and September 2022, he had an 80% growth in followers, which is... <gasps> According to him, the highest percentage growth of any Peloton instructor. Okay. All right. So about a year in, 10 months in to his job, October 2021, he ends up having some unexpected surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, Due to medical concerns related to the surgery itself, uh, with, as far as I can tell, doctor support, he requested an exemption from the COVID-19 vaccination mandate that was in effect at the time, because this is just, remember, this is last fall, right when the big mm-hmm. mandates were, were getting put out. We were all talking about that. Uh, what do you think about that request? Um, for medical purposes, I think that's probably legit. 
Yeah, right. So there's there's two main reasons why we would say that uh, an employer would grant an exemption to a mandate. Uh, one would mm-hmm. be uh, if there's a dis- disabling condition that would prevent you or or recommend that you not get it, or then the whole religious route, which we've talked about. Um, yep. And it's it's a very rare circumstance. We talked about this, I think. It's a very rare circumstance where I would have been like, yeah, there's a real medical reason not to get this thing. But in this case, <laughs> it sounds like related to the surgery, there were some concerns, uh, and there wasn't enough known about the vaccine, and that it could have it could have complicated his his recovery mm-hmm. process. And he sought that exemption. That's one where, if it came to me, uh, I'm probably going to say to my client, like, yeah, just yeah. To allow the exemption, and then whatever other um, things you need to put in place, put your safeguards in place. In this case. You know, I don't know if Peloton instructors are doing their classes from a centralized location or from their living room. I have to think right. often it could be from a living room. Also, in that case, like, why do you care? Like, I wouldn't care. Like, it's care. fine. Like, that's great. <laughs> so, I, you know, when you look at the job duties and all that stuff here, this seems like a no brainer to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think they did at Peloton? Oh, they probably didn't do that right, is my guess. Right. They said no. <laughs> you need to get it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of, you know, I think under the circumstances, reasonably distraught over this. Yep. Um, his boss, who features prominently, I, I really scaled this down from everything in the complaint, but his boss mm-hmm. who features very prominently as, as the very bad actor uh, in the complaint, uh, allegedly made disparaging comments uh, about him and his refusal to get the vaccine. Uh and so based on that, he just, he was upset. He was distraught. He didn't want to lose his job. He went and got vaccinated under duress. Okay. Well, it probably did him good, but okay. It probably did him good. It doesn't sound like there were any side effects or, mm-hmm. or you know, negative outcomes as a result. Uh, probably not the decision I would have made if I was Peloton, but so be it. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. After this happens and he comes back to work, his boss allegedly starts making some comments about him. Mm. Often joking, or maybe joking, a little hard to tell, uh, uh, on Zoom calls and in front of others, asking him if he's drunk. Oh, the Irish stereotype. Yes. Mm. All right. You picked up on that. You, I'm going to tell you, you picked up on that better than Dennis did when we did this live. <laughs> the other day. Okay. <laughs> so she'd ask him if he was drunk or say, I hope you're not drunk, Daniel. You know, that sort of thing. She also commented on his accent saying, nobody understands what you're saying, Daniel. She even uh, eight hundred to a thousand people are knowing what he says when he says "spin, baby, spin." Uh, we're going to get there in just a sec. So she even allegedly said this uh, in introducing him to the new CEO of Peloton. <laughs> this is this is this is Daniel. Nobody can understand what he says, but he's pretty cool. <laughs> Something along those lines. <laughs> but I, I'm paraphrasing that from what's in the complaint, but, but, but he's pretty cool. It's like, Ooh, that saves it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of making that fact up, but that's the way it kind of like, Hey, this is Daniel. Nobody can understand what he's saying. Uh, but he's great. Mm-hmm. He's, he's sure. I'm sure he's great. 
Uh, He's toning butts everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, then she uh, apparently around the same time starts another meeting with a group of people online, including Daniel. That's Daniel, our Irish instructor. This is a quote. This is a direct quote out of the complaint. That's Daniel, our Irish instructor. He's rough around the edges and hard to understand, but the members love him. (laughs) Daniel asserts that he was distraught and upset by these comments. So if you're Daniel, what do you, what do you, what would you advise him to do in the moment? In the moment? Yeah. Like you're just, he he comes over to you, your, your friend, whatever. He's like, Hey, this thing's happening. Like, what do you think I should do about it? What would be a mature Uh, thing to do about it? The mature thing to do about it would go to her and say, please stop making those comments. Like, yes. I don't think you understand that they're problematic, but they are problematic. They're and you're problematic embarrassing and me. hurtful. And, yep. And, you know, I'm doing really well for you. So you should provide a little bit more respect to me. That's exactly what Daniel did. Oh. And Okay. Good job, Daniel. Would you like to know what the boss said in response? Fuck you. No, no, no. It was it it wasn't quite that direct. Maybe <laughs> metaphorically it was a fuck you. Instead, she she responded. She did not apologize. She was unapologetic and just said, I'm mostly joking. Mostly joking? Mostly joking. Uh, okay, I can see the, but I was just joking, right? Because that's the right, classic. Right, right, right. Everything's yeah. fine if I'm just no, no, joking. It wasn't that. It was. I'm all mostly joking. It's kind of, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, Princess Bride. He's only mostly dead. Yeah. Ugh. Sorry, if you're not, if there's any truth behind this, like, e- even the joke is bad, but <laughs> you're basically saying, like, I think you're a drunk Irishman and nobody can understand you. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I think that's really problematic. So, fast forward, spring of 22, during a regular workout, Daniel experiences a sharp pain. He goes to the doctor and learns that he had torn his pectorals. Like not, <gasps> I think there's boob? more than one of those. I don't know. I, but I, to tear <laughs> both of them, to tear both of them at the same time. He that, tore both of them? He that's tore both that, of that's just boobs? it. It said he tore his pectorals, not his pectoral. It, was, it looked plural to me. And I'm like, whoa, how did you... I, How do you do that for both while you're on a bike? Well, oh, interesting. I'm not sure entirely here that Daniel he's teaching on only a bike. Okay. teaches bike classes. He doesn't actually talk about. It just says he's a personal fitness instructor. So okay. the biking piece, we talked about that because it's Peloton. But I don't know that he actually is only. And it says during a regular workout, so I don't think it's while he was teaching his class. Oh, okay. okay just during a regular old workout that he's doing for day. himself. He was lifting. He was doing something else, and uh, both. Both pecs ripped. Popped. Popped. <laughs> uh, Not the Terry Crews version, but woo, okay. <laughs> so he requests leave and is subsequently told the recovery period would take over six months. Holy. Okay. So assuming no knowledge of state law here, mm-hmm. would Peloton need to allow him six months to recover? No, not necessarily. It would be what is a reasonable accommodation for him. All right. So walk, him walk us through walk function. us through the analysis here. So so assume he's been around long enough 
that he qualifies for FMLA. For FMLA. So, okay, yeah, he so probably does qualify probably for FMLA. Probably gets 12 weeks protected. Yeah. And then whether or not what is reasonable to give him more time off or not. Or is it possible that in after the 12 weeks that he can do some things, not everything? So is it reasonably to accommodate some of the work off or not? So there yeah, would I mean, be the interactive process of going back and forth with his doctor it, about what he could and could not do. Exactly. And so in this case, I, I think there's you could argue it a little bit either way. It's not like there's some other job you could give him like a desk job or anything kind of right. in the meantime, he's a fitness instructor. I mean, maybe he's qualified or could do it, but it w- that wouldn't be a natural, no. you know, I mean, if, thing. if you, if you did put him on a bike or if you did, you know, he is going to be, you know, doing squats, right? Like you don't necessarily use your pecs for that. So he's, but you know, yeah, I'd, it's I'd wait for the be, doctor's release on that. Yeah, sure. uh, yes, I understand. But I mean, <laughs> it would be like that kind of thing. Like, could, could yeah. we do a leg class? Could we do, uh, you know, we go through the analysis of what he could do? Yeah, maybe right there. But there's also this question of, you know, could you just leave him out on on an extended unpaid leave because you know Peloton has plenty of instructors, mm-hmm. uh, and it's you know one going out is not going to completely disrupt uh, operations and their Peloton will be fine. Unlike a situation where you've got someone on a tight team and there's only a couple people or it's a high skill set or something and their Mm -hmm. departure, you know, and you wouldn't be, you know, sorry. To be fair, Peloton is doing a lot of reductions in force coming out of the pandemic. So, I mean, they were, they suffered pretty dramatically a drop in sales. So, you know, if, if That's they were another doing factor cuts. for sure. Yep. That could be one. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't so think what do they, they do? Would, well, so they didn't have to make the call on that because Daniel, oh. this is this is one of those like, I don't know what happened, but but basically the complaint says he had a miraculous discovery or, or recovery. Recovery? Yeah. And was released to work on July 1st. So, okay. So he went to work for a competitor on July 1st? No, he's released back to Peloton. They didn't fire okay. him. You know, they'd put him out on leave. He was on FMLA, I assume, or whatever. And he comes back. He's ready to come back July 1st. He tells them this. Before he comes back, his boss schedules a meeting about a week beforehand, mm-hmm. which I we could get into whether, you know, having a real full meeting with somebody who's out on leave uh, is, is a good idea or not. Or not. I'm, we're going to pass over that for the moment as the story's <laughs> coming up on 30 minutes already. Um <laughs> During uh, that call, she told him that they could fire him or could have fired him for going on short-term disability, but <gasps> but I'll, would allow him to return anyway due to his popularity with Peloton members. That's a business decision, not being kind to him, but okay. Yeah. Uh, also... Uh, if you're planning on firing someone because they took short-term disability, you may want to call your employment lawyer first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he comes back. Everything's going great. According to him, everything's going great. Has generally positive interactions. No more back and forth with his boss. He doesn't say anything else about more drunk comments or anything. I don't, you know, I don't know if that's happening mm-hmm. or not. It doesn't get into it. But then on September 12th, so last month, Peloton terminates him with cause. Now, Daniel's employment agreement contained a provision that any termination with cause uh, needs to describe the reason for the cause in writing at the time. 
according okay. to Daniel, that was never provided. He requested it. <gasps> wait, wait, wait. Does that is that a material breach of the agreement, the failure to give the reasons so it negates the rest of the agreement so he can go and compete against I, them? I, I it that's a that's a good question. It's not one I'd actually gotten to in my own mind. I think there's you could make the argument. Yeah. I think you could argue okay. it. Now, you, you know, a judge might look at it and be like, no, that doesn't invalidate the whole thing. I think that's a little more subjective, uh, whether it's a material enough term. But I do think because the agreement contemplates very specific consequences of what happens if you don't, uh, or if you are fired for cause, as opposed to if you're fired without cause, right? Because the severance mm-hmm. gets gutted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, that is a very material term that I think I think I would buy that argument that you're making. At least at least it would be enough to go to negotiations with and say, okay, I won't compete for a month as opposed to, you know, endlessly. So it is a certainly a, an argument you want to make to position settlement. Yeah, agreed. So they never provide that information. He asks for it multiple times, verbally mm-hmm. and in writing, and they never tell him. And according to the complaint, as of the time he filed the complaint, he still had no idea why he was fired. Now, oh, their employment lawyers are taking those kids in the back and behind the woodshed and saying, right. What the hell well, are you and doing? And again, remember, I want everybody to remember this is based on allegations in a complaint that are unrebutted. Yes. Right? Yes. But wow. If, you know, I've been in enough situations where I see, ser- you know, crazy stuff in a p- complaint on a case I'm working on. And I'm like, I read the thing. and I'm like, how am I supposed to defend this client? And then I actually go and look at the file. And it's like, <laughs> here's the letter we sent that said why we fired him. Yes. And, and in fact, it, in Minnesota, you get within seven days of your termination, you get to ask for the truth for reason for your termination. So it would not only be a violation of the contract, it would be a violation of state law. Of, of state so. law in some states, for sure. So um, the impact of firing him was that it gutted his severance. Uh, mm-hmm. They did offer him six months of severance anyway with a demand that he sign it within five days. He did not do that. Mm. Uh, and it was still a six-figure, six-month uh, <gasps> severance. So he, if it's a six-month uh, severance that is well up into six figures, dude's making over 200 k a year as a Peloton instructor, just putting that out there. because uh, Then those pecs are really important. They are. They're <laughs> super important for the job. Um, so, all right. So to wrap this up, he then files a lawsuit last week in state court in Manhattan and he's suing Peloton for disability discrimination under the Uh New York state and city human rights laws, retaliation under both the city and state human rights laws, national origin discrimination, both disparate treatment and hostile work environment. Oh, because he's Irish. Yeah. Invalidation of the non-compete clause and breach Mm -hmm. of contract. So let's assume everything he says is true mm-hmm. that I have recited. How do you think he does on those claims? I think he does well on the uh, disability claim. I think that one's a really good one. Um, the national origin one is close. I don't think it's a uh, winner, though. I would say I, I, the disparate treatment, close. I'd say the hostile work environment, not so much. Not close. Yeah, those comments close. are not enough to not rise to, to the level enough. 
to be severe or pervasive, whether we like that standard or not. Uh, that is, it's not enough. Maybe the comment to the CEO is severe enough, but I still don't get there That's entirely. Not, I don't get there on harassment. I, you know, I'm okay. just, I, yeah. Um, I think the breach of contract for failing to give him the notice is good. And I think that breach of contract, yeah. I, I would argue, is material enough to invalidate to not compete. So that's where I fall out on it. Yeah, I'm very much in the same place. I didn't, and I don't want to belabor the point. Uh, I, I think that I think that unless Peloton has some really solid arguments to come back with, and they very well may, I want to be very mm-hmm. clear, we don't know anything about their position, what their documentation looks like. And every complaint, when you read it, you're going to be like, oh, my God, like, like this plaintiff's yep. going to get billions of dollars. And then, then you actually look at the – not everyone, but you know what I mean. There's a lot that you yeah. look at and you're like, oh, my God, that's really bad. This may be that bad. It very well may not be that bad. All right. One more. Sorry, okay. Go ahead. Go. Go. No, no. no. I go, got go. One, one more question on this. In listing those claims out, was there, was there, were there any claims that you were surprised weren't there? Because there certainly was at least one for me. Oh, uh, what's the list again? I mean, I don't remember the list well enough to tell you which one. Yeah, yeah no, no worries. That, I mean, I'm, F- I'm talking generically, not specific. Yeah, there's about not an so FMLA claim? There's no FMLA claim. There's disability discrimination. There's retaliation. Uh, there's national origin discrimination, disparate treatment, HWE, invalidation of non-compete, and breach of contract. Yeah, the FMLA claim, I think, is... So that's is possible, the, you know, whether this is... Re- and that may be a basis of some of the retaliation. The retaliation. So retaliation yeah. or interference kind of claim. So that's one. There's another big one that I was shocked wasn't in there. I'm Sorry. I don't have intentional it, infliction of emotional distress. Oh, not in the complaint. I, I don't think he wins on that one, though. I, he, but he puts so much in the complaint, and you didn't see all of this about oh. every single one of these. He's distraught. He's he's getting mental health treatment. I I scaled a lot of that back, oh. but even on these facts, I said he was distraught about that. He was distraught about this. He says he was distraught and upset. There's enough basis to at least put the claim in for sure. Whether you win or not is another question. Yeah. Uh, and I actually think it's a closer call just having read what's in the complaint, assuming he can back okay. up those facts. But anyway, uh, I found that to be a fascinating case. Yes. Uh, and I we got it from a reader, and I'm forgetting who it was, and I'm going to look and see if I can find it real quick uh, so mm-hmm. I can uh, – there we go. <laughs> Teresa Chilcote, thank you for sending okay. that. That's a perfect case yes. to send us. Uh, on this podcast uh, because it has so many issues. It's mm-hmm. It's got juicy facts, which is kind of mm-hmm. the, the bar for any case for us to talk about it. Uh, but it just covers the, a full range of issue spotting and, and lots of stuff. So yeah. that was a great case. Thank you for sending that to us. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So are you ready to talk about some infighting? Yeah, especially when it's <laughs> government infighting. <laughs> Yes. So we've got some significant infighting at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the commission that oversees the laws that govern about 50% of my workload. Um, And this commission, so if you're unfamiliar with the ins and outs of the EEOC, the EEOC is a five-member commission that is designed to be non-political, but the terms of each commissioner run such that if the president changed every four years, the presidency would kind of determine who has 
the majority of the five members. So it would be, no, we're not there yet, but right now it's five, it's three Republicans, two Democrats, with the Democrat being the chair, Charlotte Burroughs. And then as soon as Janet Dillon's position is over, then it'll be three Democrats, two Republicans. Um, and so it's designed to do that. And the commission itself is supposed to give out guidance about what the law means for things. And for those of us who live through the pandemic, that guidance on COVID-19 was um, virtually gospel about how we follow things. Um, I think I looked at it at least once a day for several months, um, especially when the vaccination stuff came out, constantly referring to it. Please look at section L, blah, 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 over and over again. Well, following the Bostock decision in June of 2020, the EEOC put out similar guidance to what the the COVID-19 guidance is. And this guidance is there's a question and then they provided an answer to it. So like, let me, I have it right here. Like for example, a question like, oh, where'd it go? If a job applicant or employee's title seven rights have been violated, what can they do? Could the use of pronouns or names that are inconsistent with an individual's gender identity be considered harassment? So there's generally these questions. Now, these questions are and the answers are not super controversial, okay? However, if you read the Bostock decision, Justice Gorsuch was very specific about what the court was doing by saying the word sex in Title VII included gender identity, um, gender expression, and sexual orientation. So he said something like, this is about the discrimination of the individuals, not whether bathrooms can be identified by gender, et cetera. It didn't extend to that. So for a while now, the EEOC itself has been pretty acrimonious amongst the five commissioners. There have been rumors that they've been shouting at each other, a variety of different things. Like it's, they're not a happy group of five people. And in September, two of the Republican commissioners were so upset about how things were going, they wrote an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal complaining about Chair Burroughs' use of technology where they weren't getting access to the case management system, that they the general counsel wasn't allowing them to vote on what cases were going to be brought. And instead, the general counsel, if that person didn't think the commission was going to vote in favor of suing, they would withdraw the case instead, waiting for, presumably, a Democratic commissioner to take over for Janet Dillon, so that then there would be the votes to bring the lawsuit. So there are some internal, quote unquote, shenanigans and infighting about how the process was going. But the commissioners also did not like the guidance that the EEOC put out on LGBTQ plus status, namely the could use of pronouns or names be inconsistent with the individual's gender identity be considered harassment? The answer here is yes, in certain circumstances, was the guidance. The other guidance was, does an employer have a right to separate segregated bathrooms, locker rooms, or showers? Yes, the commission has taken the position that employers may not deny an employee equal access to a bathroom, locker room, or shower that corresponds with the employee's gender identity. In other sure. words, 
if an employer has separate bathrooms, locker rooms, or showers for men and women, all men, including transgender men, should be allowed to use the men's facilities, and all women, including transgender women, should be allowed to use the women's facilities. Well, the Republicans on the commission hate this, okay? They get so upset, they write a letter to the Wall Street Journal, and then there are two cases out there that t- that have kind of stopped this guidance. In October, a Northern District of Texas case, which means it's going to go to the Fifth Circuit, so take the Fifth Circuit, it's going to agree with this. It vacated the agency's guidance. It said this guidance is not, it goes beyond what the Bostock decision was. And so because the agency can't go beyond what the law is, this guidance is BS. And in July, a federal district court in the Eastern District of Tennessee preliminarily enjoined the EEOC from implementing the guidance too. So with this guidance now kind of paused by both a Northern District of Texas and the Eastern District of Tennessee, the commissioners want the Republican commissioners want the EEOC to withdraw this guidance in its entirety. In fact, one of the commissioners, uh, Andrea Lucas, goes on and tweets that rules are rules and the law has limits and we this is BS kind of guidance, which is unusual because it's so public about how much they hate this guidance. It's, it's really kind of bizarre in my world. You know, usually when there's infighting, or that people don't agree with each other, they still do it respectfully. This is like poking in the eye. Back in, I want to say eight or nine years ago, I did a lot of work with the ABA's Labor and Employment Sections Technology Group. And we would have, um, at the time, the National Labor Relations, GC, Richard Griffin, and one of the members, Harry Johnson. So it would be the Dick and Harry show. Mm -hmm, I giggled about mm -hmm, it relentlessly. mm -hmm. They would come out and talk. But they still generally seemed to like each other, even if they disagreed on the policies. These people on the EEOC, like, this is unusual, like, infighting, unusual public airing of grievances. I mean, to tweet about it, it seems really ridiculous to me. Um, And who knows what this is going to lead to. What is really important about this is that if the Equality Act passed Congress and was signed by President Biden, then this guidance would likely be 100% correct under the Equality Act. But because it hasn't got, the Equality Act hasn't passed yet, now we have, you know, what does it mean? We don't really know we what it know. means kind of stuff. So this infighting is not good for employers. And I just think it's bizarre in the first place. Yeah, it's not good for anyone. Uh, but all I could think about was when you said they're airing their public grievances that they should all just get a Festivus poll and put it in the middle of the, <laughs> of the EEOC office and then they can air their grievances around it whenever they like. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe, they, yeah, maybe that would be better see- than going public. Yeah, I can just see Andrea Lucas, Keith Sonderling, and Janet Dillon, you know, running around the Maypole. <laughs> I can see that happening. Yeah. Crazy. Fascinating. Well, I think there's a lot more to come on that subject, and we'll we'll see what happens, well, especially he- with these courts enjoining, and then if it goes up to the Supreme Court at some point, and then you've got Gorsuch on the Supreme Court, that's a little bit more nuanced than a lot of issues going up to the Supreme Court where we're just assuming – you know, the conservative part of the court will will win out. I'd be real interested to see how it might go. Well, I, I think it's another opportunity for, you know, agency deference to be kicked in the pants. Yep. So 
That's true. That's that's really where that's true. Like, that if is. the agency can't pro- provide guidance because the Supreme Court hates agency deference. Well, how does that help anybody? So I, 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 it's just fascinating to me. I'm very unexcited that they can't all seem to get along because isn't it interesting that there is a not technically hostile environment, but there may be some hostility in the environment at the EEOC. So. Yeah. See what happens. Okay. I've got a question for you. (laughs) Okay. Generally speaking, Mm -hmm. is it cool or uncool to pay or to not pay someone to work for you? It's generally uncool. Like you kind of got to pay somebody. Right. Now, just a general rule. There can be circumstances, right, where you have where volunteers are okay, generally in the nonprofit space, and certainly not in a situation where you would be having an employee doing work for you when they pay them and then have them volunteer <laughs> to do other work where you don't pay. Them. Like these are bad things. <laughs> what about if it's an applicant? And you have them test some stuff out to see if they're going to be cool as a good worker. Can you have them just kind of do a test run and not pay them? Okay. So my philosophy on this is that, yes, you can have them do a test run on a hypothetical situation, not real life test run. Kind of and, hypothetical and short in, in, time. in an interview or yeah. or in in that process, uh, but yeah. we're talking about a couple of of hours at most. Not mm-hmm. so we were both tagged in a tweet that was by someone named Deanna Schwartz. I think this is out of Boston, uh, who just took a picture of an application for a coffee shop or a cafe. I think it's around Fenway Park is what I saw when I dug into it a little bit more that says we require three unpaid trial days to see if you're a good fit. (laughs) Is this something you're okay with? Yes or no. And then our good friend, Aaron Weiss, former guest on the (laughs) podcast said, well, Hey there, Hey, at at HWE podcast. (laughs) And so we both took a look at this. Kate, is it cool to have three unpaid trial days for a barista? Fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. I mean, you want to have three unpaid days for being a barista when you can't find people in the first place and now you want free labor for three days to make some mochaccinos? Like, I don't get it. No, not cool. Okay. So the the name of the cafe, I think, is Finista uh, with a PH. Uh, Finista. (laughs) And so... Following up on that initial tweet, uh, Aaron then sent us a a follow-up message from the coffee shop. Mm -hmm. It says, hi, Finista fam. Already dislike it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Today, we received negative and very incorrect gossip about our cafe. (laughs) Through a misunderstanding, a post on Twitter said that we do not pay our training staff for their time. But that is completely wrong and incorrect. Okay, so how did the screenshot happen? Good guy. Mm -hmm. Our policy is that their trial dates of three days and four hours each, so it's three days and four hours each, are unpaid (laughs) for the first two weeks and implemented, all caps, on their second payroll. Nope. We realize... 
typo. I think one of the questions on an application was worded very incorrect and with no details. Mm. So we apologize for the confusion. The application has been revised. You may ask all of our staff for transparency as this misunderstanding has been properly answered during the interviews with all of our staff. Kate, so they now say that their policy is that the trial dates of three days and four hours are unpaid for the first two weeks and implemented on their second payroll. Is Let's assume they they get hired. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? What happens if they don't? Well, I, that's the if- second question. What if they do get hired? Is that okay? Nope. Why not? Nope. Um, so some states have a timely payment of wages statute. For example, my wonderful state requires that if you work, you have to be paid within 15 days of that. So if the payroll is weekly, we're scrap we're, we might be, but if it's bi-weekly, it's certainly not going to be within the 15 days and that would be in violation of the law. So it would depend on the state and I would assume um, Massachusetts and Minnesota share many things in common. Um And I would assume that there's a similar statute in the state of Massachusetts. Yeah. I think this is problematic, Uh, (laughs) even if you do hire them. What if you don't hire them? What if you don't hire them? Ooh, we just give them gift cards and then we don't like actually tax it appropriately. It doesn't say anything about gift cards. We don't give them anything is what I take (laughs) away from that is. So if, if you don't pass and you're not a good fit and you do three days, you've now done three days work that will be completely uncompensated the way I read this. Yep. Yep. So it, I mean, to be a, a barista at Finista, like, ooh, like, is it that cool? Well, yeah, because it rhymes, because you'd be a barista Finista or a Finista barista. <laughs> so, I mean, that makes it. Well, I'm a lawyer schmoyer. So, does that make it that I'm very cool? Like, I don't get it. Kate, you're my, I, I wouldn't have a co host on this podcast that wasn't cool. <laughs> Because I'm not cool. I need somebody who outcools me. <laughs> so, okay. so to follow up on that, just because I thought it was interesting, uh, a an employee uh, of Finista uh, was found previously to have been tweeting about how terrible a place it is to work. Of and course it is. Back in May, had tweeted. This is a Twitter account. Tiffany Wang says, "Just wanted to let y'all know." That at, we as employees at Finista are are pulling our petition to unionize. So there had been a, a, a unionization drive. Our mm-hmm. employer refused to voluntarily recognize and quickly began using union busting tactics to crush morale for a union that had 100% support. After delivering our demand letter, both owners took another employee and me aside asking how we could do this to them. They cried and said they gave us everything and put off their wedding for this cafe. It was all guilting and shaming. Uh, it goes on. Uh, they yelled at me and said, well, why don't you just quit and go work at, at another place, which is a complete misunderstanding of why you, uh, workers unionize. Uh, I could make more at other jobs, but I want to stay here because I care about my coworkers and the cafe, etc. It goes on and on. Um, and then after this posting about mm-hmm. the the unpaid uh, uh interview time someone just says update and all she says is i quit (laughs) 
So okay. regardless of, you know, we both we both work for employers and, and don't necessarily have uh, the fondest uh, feelings for mm-hmm. unions generally, uh, there are this, other why, issues why, going yeah. on here. And I don't understand why they pulled the petition, but okay. I, you know, I, why pull the – well, unless it was the subtext there could be uh, they – what they're calling union busting tactics are we actually came out and had a conversation about some of the upsides and downsides of unionization. And some of, uh, right. some of my coworkers decided that maybe they were right about yes. that and then chose not to vote for the union anymore. And so recognizing we didn't have majority support, we withdrew the petition. There's some subtext there that may yeah. be, a, but that's a completely separate issue. I just thought notwithstanding uh, whatever we may feel about unions one way or the other, um, uh, there's a lot going on at this place. Yeah. And it sounds like a terrible place to work. Yeah. I bet they have bad chai. I bet they have bad chai. And that is is and should be the kiss of death. Yep. It is the kiss of death for me. Like if I have your chai and it's just regular organ chai or something like that, I'd be like, Ugh, no, never again. What are you saying about Oregon chai? There's this Oregon chai, like it's a name brand of a chai concentrate, and it's just shit, Mark. Like, it's not. I feel like, like you're just doing that on purpose, state. just to shit on my state, is what you're doing. <laughs> no, it's not. I no, don't know I, about this. I, I've had good chai in the state of Oregon a long time ago, but like the one you can buy in Minnesota that's Oregon chai is not good. So I, when I go to a place, should- I'm like, so what's your chai? And they say Oregon. I'm like, I'm spinning around and I'm walking out. So sorry. Wow. Wow, mm-hmm. just because of the state. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you, wow, we are yeah. really running long today on this pirate themed <laughs> episode of Hostile Work Environment. Um, we've got two more short stories to talk about. Kate, you want to give us an NFL update? Yes. So I'll be sports very, very ball. fast. NFL sports, sports ball. ball. So I've talked about the Washington Commanders several times and their douchebag of an owner uh, or chode of an owner, Dan Snyder. Uh, the, The owners are meeting on Tuesday, and it's possible that the owners are going to start looking at getting rid of Dan Snyder. Um, Same thing that happened in the NBA with Mr. Sterling, eliminating his ability Mm -hmm. to own a team. Um, The investigation is still ongoing, which is why uh, Snyder's like, I don't don't know why owners would start talking about this beforehand. But the Colts owner has suggested that there are votes to eliminate Dan Snyder's ownership, which would be very, very cool. And out. And out. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I should also call out, as I know there are some people who follow and know that this is a soccer-loving podcast, there have been lots of news uh, about women's soccer uh, and, mm, in particular, yes. news related to my local team here. I am not in a position where I can comment about any of that uh, and I'm keeping it off the podcast for those reasons, uh, both <laughs> you know, but largely professional reasons why. Uh, I am not putting any sort of thought or opinion out there, just noting that it does exist. And if you want to read about it, it was in the New York Times. It was it was in Washington Post. It was national news a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We are not ignoring it just for the sake of ignoring it. Uh, There are professional reasons why I cannot talk about it. Yeah. And if you do want more information, it is very similar to USA Gymnastics is really the story behind it. So. Yeah, I, I think in, what, what, some ways. in some ways, not in the most egregious ways, I don't think. But <laughs> uh, there are certainly some some corollaries uh, when you look at the broad scope of behavior. Uh, and that's as far as I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to close us out 
with a story about one of our old friends. Uh, um, Kate, one of your old friends. One of my old friends. Yes. George the cat. Yeah, George the cat can be your old friend. Oh, well, I just meant uh, like from our George- podcast because we talked we talked about George <laughs> the cat. Do you want to remind? I enjoyed George. I were I enjoyed George the cat and his shenanigans of getting stuck in the garbage cans, etc. Um, but George has taken some unique positions well, on the Twitters. I, okay, so so let me let's reframe that. Our old friend George the cat that has evolved into something maybe a little bit different from what it was the last time we talked about. Do you want to yes. do you want to give folks just a a brief uh, uh, recollection of who George the cat is? So George the Cat was the subject of a long Reddit thread about how this one woman believed her workplace was hostile because George the Cat was being teased and maligned because he couldn't open a door. Um, And, you know, orange tabbies are dumb was the subtext. Now, before you go into the new part of George the Cat, I'm going to say that hurt cats hurt people. Um, and so that is where I will leave you. I mean, whether or not we make sure that he can clean himself by rubbing margarine on him or not. Which was something that happened. <laughs> it was something that was alleged to have happened. Yes. I, I, yeah. I mean, we take all Reddit threads at face value <laughs> here. So, so uh, after all of this came out with this story about George the cat and, and the comparator cat gene, uh, mm-hmm. Who's George, not an orange tabby. Who's Right, who's not an orange tabby. Jorts uh, uh, started up a Twitter account. Whether mm-hmm. it's actually uh, being run by a cat um, It is or not a human, actually a I'm cat. I'm going okay. to refrain from commenting on. <laughs> Kate takes a very strong and controversial position on this. Uh, I, I'm going to take the side of the Twitter here and not the side of Elon Musk that would say there's too many more bots and cats on the search platform. <laughs> <laughs> so on, I'm we all know it's that... actually a cat at the keyboard. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So uh, an official Jorts Twitter account comes out and over time starts out pretty funny over time mm-hmm. starts becoming extremely pro-labor like extremely like way pro-labor way pro-labor and again i think we can both consider ourselves pro-labor in one sense and maybe not in another sense as we you know respect individuals and Mm -hmm. want people to get paid well and have have you know protections at work etc 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 but then there's there's a pro labor uh, point of view that goes far beyond anything you or I would be willing to go to, and 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 again mm-hmm. I don't want to get hate mail here because Mark and Kate are so anti labor, uh, <laughs> but when we, when I say pro labor I mean crazy crazy pro labor. So might someone might even say pro labor wingnut. Yes, that's good to distinguish. Um, so uh, Jorts, I'm reading this from an article that was in. Uh, we got this covered.com, but it was on MSN. It was on a bunch. It was covered in a bunch of other places. Uh, and I saw it actually play out a little bit on, on Twitter. So George tweets actively having tweets with a strongly pro-labor sentiment. 
Uh, but because this is the internet and the internet is more fickle than a cat deciding if it wants to come inside or not, things have <laughs> taken a turn. I'm reading the article now. I'm not that clever uh, to have that turn of phrase. Uh, it all started fairly innocently. A person on Twitter talked about a bad experience with a grocery delivery. They said, yes, my last time using grocery delivery and I got a man like the hell's up with just just only men do this like come on no uh, no i get women and men yeah no i, I, am, I know like, i know I'm, I'm not TV. yeah i you know mm-hmm. i'm calling out the the tweeter here a little bit uh he started refunding stuff that i knew dang on well the store had i was so pissed i got in the car and went to the store uh went to the store he was at bruh was literally standing in one aisle <laughs> on the phone So it sounds like the person doing the shopping, the personal shopper was just saying they didn't have any of the stuff and canceling it out while they were just sitting there on the phone. But they're technically they're on the phone grocery shopping because they're looking to match skews. But it looked like the person was just shopping. Right. Now, again, I'm just taking that at face value uh, as we do with everything on the Internet. Uh, The article then continues saying this doesn't seem to be the the sort of thing that would typically get George's interest. But the cat can't keep its mouth shut. Uh, George responds, idea, go get your own groceries. <laughs> is, there, is there a problem with that, Kate? Um. Well, so some of us started getting grocery delivery during COVID so we wouldn't get exposed to being in the grocery store and being with lots of other people. I mean, some people, not to name <coughs> names, but would wipe down their groceries. They were so serious about preventing COVID. So if someone is still needing grocery delivery, but you don't still do that. I still do grocery delivery, but not for fear of COVID, but because I'm busy and I want to get stuff. Oh no, I still wipe down everything before it comes in the house. At least twice. (laughs) At least twice. Your budget for Clorox wipes is significant. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, we go through a pack a day, two packs a day. It's like cigarettes. Hurting the environment one wipe at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, so, but there's a problem here, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's the internet. So anybody will take an opportunity to shit on anybody about anything uh, once that door is even slightly cracked open. And there are lots of people who can't physically get their own groceries. Mm-hmm. So. As the article says, obviously not everyone can get their own groceries. A slight misfire by Jorts, but not the end of the world. Someone gave Jorts a chance at redemption by telling him if someone is sick or caring for someone who is, they probably can't leave. But for some reason, Jorts doubled down. So this person, mm-hmm. Noob Venter, says, I mean, that's the ideal, but that's not possible for folks who have COVID or are caring for someone who does or are disabled regardless of COVID or caring for a parent with dementia who might wander off if left unattended. Lots of folks can't go get their own groceries. So Jorts responds and says, and those folks wouldn't get in the car and confront a worker being judged by an algorithm for subminimum wage. Okay. That, so I will take issue with that. I don't think the worker is making subminimum wage. I'm fairly certain that most grocery delivery folks are actually employees of the services. So they're making more than minimum wage. Um, and if they ever have me, I tip at 20% regardless. Um, and so I, I take a little issue. Yes, the person wouldn't go to the grocery store just to confront them. Um, well, yeah, but if they were truly right. afraid, but it, you're maligning. 
you're inappropriately and unknowingly, knowingly, well, but this is where the, ignorantly. This yeah. is where the wingnut piece of this comes in because it's saying that because of that worker, whoever that worker is and how much they make, they are not held accountable for anything and should not be held accountable for anything. That's the message mm-hmm. from Jorts here. People went ape shit over this. And I'm, you know, we're already running really long here. There's so many tweets you can go find. Um, yes. You know, my fellow chronically ill, disabled, and immunocompromised people trying desperately to survive this fucking hellscape. Use a grocery delivery service if you need to, right? You know, the reason people mm-hmm. are calling you out, Jorts, is because we love you. Please, please take the time to listen and learn from people who love you, but whom you have unintentionally hurt, I beg of you. Jorts, my dude, remember that time your coworker would butter your fur and keep... <laughs> doors closed in an attempt to get you to live up to Gene's example. This statement is super similar. We don't need to use ableism to defend workers or fight for better wages. I like that one a lot. So yeah, the, you know, the, the article then ends saying this is a nuanced issue. Jorts was calling out a woman for going to yell at a gig worker, but didn't really make that clear and then made it 10 times worse when he doubled down. Kate, I, what I wrote here, and we already just started to touch on this a little bit, is the human brain so inflexible that it cannot simultaneously think that workers should be treated better and also that they should actually do their jobs? Uh, no, it is not in that inflexible. We should all believe that. And that this is why I now uh, don't read George's tweets most often. George, you're <laughs> so- dead to us. That's what well, Kate just said. You're dead. <laughs> you are dead to these pirates. <laughs> uh, no, he's, he's, I just, there's ways to just not listen to this stuff as opposed to like getting sucked into it. And so like, I sure. know that you, you're not a big fan of the Twitter at the moment. I still am a big fan of Twitter, but that's because I curate it very carefully. Sure. And so well, it's, but it, yes, of course, we should. don't have to pay attention to this. This is mostly for the comic value of people getting pissed off over a cat. And that's funny. Well, a lot of people. But, but there, yeah. is, there is a point here that I think we're trying to make around most issues, many issues, and it doesn't just mm-hmm. apply to this. But in this case, it, I'm using jorts as, as the example that are nuanced. Yeah. And you can be pro-labor without being so far pro-labor or be pro-anything without being so far pro-anything that you're not able to also turn a critical eye on the thing that you support. Yep. And in some, in lots of ways, turning a critical eye to the things that you support is being loyal exactly. to the thing that you support. Exactly. So, All mm-hmm. right. We are now, I believe, officially in longest episode of <laughs> The Hostile Pirate Podcast. Uh, so we're going to let everybody go back to having their day and their time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Kate, where can our fellow scallywags find us? Or you? Uh, K8BISCH dot whatever. Um, whether it's at that. Um, but lots of places that's where you can find me. How can we find you? Yeah, I was going to say dot whatever is, is definitely a trending <laughs> domain, uh, for yes. finding people. Uh, I am Mark at whatever. No, I am at Sally Pants <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram. 
Uh, I can also be found at the Bullard Law website. All my contact information professionally is there. You should, if you are in states that we work in, like Oregon or Minnesota, you should call us and give us work. <laughs> uh, we do love you all, and we do this podcast, mm-hmm. and we don't generate any revenue. We don't put any ads on, and we do it for fun. Uh, we do it for exposure, but also we do it to get work. <laughs> and I'm yes. okay with being explicit about that. And, um, you know, yeah. if you have stuff, give us a call. We're happy to talk uh, and help you out with whatever your issues are. Yep. And send us stories at hwepodcast at gmail.com. Um, story ideas or the stories that you have or questions that you have, we'll happily take all of those. Good so, deal. Or, or continue just to tweet at us. So that works too. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Arr. Thank <laughs> you.